This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver City and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat, a 60-minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, Supergoop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any milk and honey location with code CW podcast, visit milk and to find a location near you. And if you want to try the courageous wellness spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code courageous wellness retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness Podcast. Um, we are recording this intro a little bit ahead of time because 
in future me, I'm currently in France, <laughs> visiting some family and, uh, yeah, I'm, I hope future me is having a lovely relaxing time, <laughs> but, um, we just like to let people know that. So it's not exactly, oh man, in case there aren't any current events that have happened between now and then that we need to address fingers um, crossed. <laughs> oh gosh. Crossed. You never know the yes. crazy world, crazy. but hopefully everyone's just having a great summer and you're having a great summer vacation in France, future self-talking. It'll be funny to listen to this in, in a couple of weeks, in a couple but, weeks. Yeah. But we do, we have current updates that, um, we are going to share. So, we thought we would do that. We kind of have split it up between last week with Coot when we shared about Ali being in France and this week, um, just the other half of what's been going on with us as we recorded both of these intros at the same time. But for me, it's really crazy to think that when this episode airs, the puppy will be, you know, closer to not being as small and as puppy as she is right now, but we are still in the thick of the puppy phase at the time of this recording and things are getting better. She's sleeping more regularly through the night. And, you know, um, but I think I mentioned, I think I actually mentioned this in Julia's intro a couple of weeks ago that I'm really like really celebrating the time I have to myself. And like, mm. I'm, I'm taking care of myself more actually than I was before the puppy, because I really am present in how important that is for me to feel good about myself and set myself up for success. But one of the things I'm really into right now is like my skincare routine and like taking care of my skin in the morning and in the evening. And, um, this isn't a surprise. We've talked about them before, but, um, I've been really into Vintner's daughter, which I've used on and off for probably six years, but I am on again. And what I love about Vintner's daughter is it's all natural. It's botanicals. It smells so amazing. Your skin just comes alive when you use the products and it's, it's a little pricey, but it's only two items and it's a two step system and it lasts for so long. Like it lasts for months and months. And, um, I'm using it every morning. Now I use the, um, the active botanical essence and then the active botanical serum. And then I put on a little super goop glow screen, which I get from milk and honey, which I know we'll talk about in a second, but, um, and then I'm good to go. And so it's like something I can really do for myself in the morning and it's so quick. And then I can go down and relieve my husband who is on the morning puppy shift. So like, I've been like sleeping from like six to nine and like, he gets up with the puppy at like five 30. Um, and so I can relieve him, but have glowing skin. I love, to- yeah, I love Vinder's daughter too. Yeah. I'm loving I love it. it. I I'm with you that like, cause I'm kind of low maintenance as far as like, I want my routine to be low maintenance. Cause otherwise it's not going to happen. And, um, the two-step thing is I'm with you on that. It's so nice. Yeah. And it's um, a, it's a good investment. in if you, you know, and they have samples that you can try. So they can like try their samples as well, but it is a good investment into our skincare. It's clean, it's clean beauty. And again, it lasts a really long time and it's only two products. I think people spend so much money on like six, seven, nine products. And, um, I like that you only need two. and we, we are able to offer, um, two day free shipping to our listeners. And you can find that link in the show notes. If you're interested in checking it out And on our Instagram too, you can go to our link tree and click there. 
Yeah. But I, I love it. And like I said, I've been using it on and off. I went to an event with the founder of Vintner's daughter, like six years ago with, um, two of my girlfriends in Santa Monica. Um, and I think it was with like Helen's wine. It, it was like a clean wine and clean beauty event. It was so much fun. Um, and that's when I got hooked. And like I said, I've used it on and off ever since, but when I'm on, I'm like, why do I ever go off? Because yeah, I love it so, so nice. much. Um, other than that, I am consuming more content as well, comfort content, and then a new podcast I want to recommend in case anyone's looking for one, but I've been rewatching new girl, which I love. Like I love new girl. Did you ever watch new girl, Allie? Yeah. I never watched it like, um, kind of in order, but I've, I've seen different episodes and stuff. I know people like got really into it. I love it. I also like I feel very connected to Jessica Day, Zoe Deschanel's character. Oh my God. Like I feel too connected to her. Like I legit like sing around my house and like make sound songs. And like, I, I don't know. I just, I like really vibe with, <laughs> I vibe with her. People are going to be like, what are you talking about? But I do. And I love the show and it's good comfort TV. And, um, as I've been really tired, I've been into comfort TV and Zoe Deschanel, um, has a rewatch podcast about it. So I've been listening to, to a couple of like the rewatch podcasts that she's doing, which I find really fun. But I also found, um, Rachel Bilson of the OC has a new podcast with one of her childhood best friends. And it's, I'm really enjoying it. What is it called? I think it's called, um, broad ideas. Um, but I'm sure if you look in podcasts and Google Rachel Bilson, it'll come up, but I'm like looking, Oh, it's yeah. It's called Rachel Bilson's broad ideas and it's her and her childhood best friend. And, um, she's from LA too. So sometimes there's like a lot of like inside LA references they make, and it feels like I'm with my friends. So I don't think though, it's just cause I'm from LA. I think it's actually a good podcast. And she interviews like celebrity friends, like Kristen Bell and Zoe Deschanel and, um, different people. And then they have like girl talk episodes on like pleasure and infidelity. And I'm really enjoying it. And it's like a mm. nice change of pace. Cause I listen to like a lot of wellness podcasts or pop culture podcasts and, um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. So those are awesome. my content and skincare updates. What <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on this skincare for sure. Um, and you know, like those little moments, like we we're just saying, I think kind of go along with the theme of, um, our episode today in a way where, uh, Alyssa cousins, who we're going to get into in just a second, um, as an embodiment coach, she really talks about kind of like, yeah, being in our bodies and yeah. somatic work. Um, so we have so much that we cover with her, but before we get into that, I just wanted to mention that, uh, one of the sponsors of our show today is milk and honey, our longtime partner. And we are, you know, such fans of milk and honey. Um, we have all of the online boutique available to us, wonderful products, both from their brand and additional brands as well. Um, you can use the code CW podcast for 20% off, um, at milkandhoney.com. but also we have the same offer for any of their in-person, um, spas, which are lovely, luxurious. And we even have the courageous wellness retreat, which is an offering at the spas, which is a 60 minute Swedish massage and dry brushing service, full body dry brushing service, which is so wonderful. And you get to keep the dry brush too, after you get that. So, um, yeah, check them out. We have locations in California 
in Texas and now in Chicago, and it's 20% off any service or online order uh, with CW podcast. So with that, let's get into our episode. So today, Alyssa Cousins is who we have on our podcast. She is an embodiment coach, retreat leader, and writer working on her first book, A Poetry Memoir of the Human Spirit, Healing, and Love. Her mission and all her work is to guide women to be, express, and honor who and how they are in any given moment, in a body, as a body. Alyssa embraces embodiment, expression, and sensuality as pillars of being a more empowered human and holds sexuality to a high standard in spirituality, believing in a body-mind, not mind-body focus. Alyssa works with women around the globe and offers a signature embodiment method and membership called Body Art. Body Art is a 90-minute somatic self-study and energy activation to heal, liberate, and express yourself with the art of music, embodied dance, journaling, and poetry. She helps women work on emotional expression, sensual liberation, and awakened aliveness. We have a really beautiful conversation, unpack Alyssa's powerful personal journey, and discuss her work offering tangible tips and tools to our listeners today. We gained a lot from this conversation and hope you enjoy it as much as we did. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. 
Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How is that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. So welcome, Alyssa. We are very excited to talk to you today and have this conversation on your journey and your work. So to get us started, can you share a little bit about yourself and what your journey in wellness and in healing has looked like. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh man, that's always such a big question. (laughs) Okay. What I do, um, in terms of, if I just want to start with, you know, how do I, how do I title myself? What's my elevator pitch? If someone asks me, (sighs) I am an embodiment coach and mentor. I'm a writer. I'm a women's retreat leader. I've been leading retreats to since 2016. Absolutely love doing those. And (sighs) I'm a human. I always like to say I'm a human first and foremost. And I think we'll end up talking about more of what I mean by that as we go on, but I'm a human and I work in the land of, I'm I'm most interested in humans and bodies being in the body, helping people, helping women safely come back into their bodies, feel at home in their bodies, feel alive in their bodies, feel awakened in their bodies. I am all about sensual liberation, emotional expression, and awakened aliveness. Those are like my three pillars that guide almost every practice 
that I offer, especially body yards. And that is, should I just go into, should I just tell y'all what body yard is? <laughs> yes, please. That'd be great. Yeah. Just so our listeners have a, a kind of an understanding just before we kind of like dive a little deeper, just of, yeah. of what it and, is yeah, and unpack your story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because it's so connected to the, my story of, I'll say that. Okay. So why I made body art, which became a membership that I never, I never intended it to be a membership. You know, sometimes our greatest ideas, we don't think they're going to become what they end up becoming. (laughs) So it was something that I, it came out of pain and suffering and like deep suffering. Um, the kind of suffering that just rips you apart, that feels like it just knocks you down and then, you know, backs over you with a truck a couple of times, just like a a true dark night of the soul. Everything is irrevocably changed. I don't really know up from down anymore. Like, who am I trying to find myself again, my connection to my, my body, to life again. And that came after my husband had a traumatic brain injury in July, 2020. And so that wasn't really that long ago at this point. And having to go from being a very, you know, vibrant, working for myself, loving what I do, Leo, um, 30 year old to full-time caregiver for a partner who was my everything and that I had been with since I was in high school. And like, really, we just, we have this karmic, like intense, profound love and just, just to have to move him through and also myself through that healing journey, his being so physically based, especially in the beginning and mine also dealing with all the emotional turmoil of being a caregiver and never having been in a role like that. I don't have children. Um, I, you know, I'm not a nurse. Like that just was shattered my world in so many ways and made me have to flip the script on everything I thought I knew about myself and what my future looked like and what I believed in and just so much like existential everything. And I lost so much connection to myself in that. I didn't feel like me. I didn't really feel like a woman. I just got lost in that suffering story and being a caregiver. If there's any caregivers out there, you understand what I mean, or anyone who is just so selflessly giving so much that you just get to that point of there's nothing left. And even though it was from the deepest love. And I actually truly do feel I was so on purpose. I don't want to make it sound like I wasn't on purpose. I've never felt more on purpose in my life than in those first 64 days in the hospital. I truly feel I was doing God's work and I felt it move through me. And it was so intense that I know something was moving through me to get through that. But after, you know, eight months of that, it takes a toll on your human spirit. And so I just had no libido. I was depressed. I remember feeling like kind of hollow or vacillating on the other spectrum and just like crying uncontrollably. It was one or the other. 
There was no, the pendulum swung heavy. And to me, embodiment is a practice of coming back to the middle and finding yourself in the body. So that's what I did. And I knew intuitively because I already had been doing the work that I do as, you know, years of being a yoga teacher and being in this wellness spirituality world, teaching intuitive dance, which I had started just getting my toes sprinkled into, but I hadn't fully full blown into yet. I'm so blessed that I even had those things in my toolkit because it helped me. It like truly our practices prepare us for these moments in life. And so I ended up kind of making my own little recipe as it were, and it became body art. And I just thought one day in February, like I'm going to share this blend of intuitive dance and like all freestyle is not choreography, very about emotional expression, lots of sound. Like we make weird noises. We breathe loud, you know, all the feminine expression sounds journaling, poetry writing. We look at art, we look at art pieces and we use them to help like as a muse to pull out poetic writing because poetry just touches things that everyday language can't, especially when you're going through it and you don't know how to describe it. Um, and I, I put it all together and I called it body art. It's just the name, oh, it's body art. Like we, let's be the art we are. Let's be in the art of our bodies. And I truly believe that art and artful expression, what I call the embodied healing arts, it's healing because victims or victim, I'm going to say victim mentality. If you stay in that space, you don't make art. You can't, but when you start to shift and you start to realize that you're looking more or less for meaning instead of answers, and you no longer feel like a victim to what life has given you, and you come into your, your power and you realize it's happening for you, that's when you make art. That's when you step into purpose. That's when you see the lessons. That's when you get back into your body and that's what I've created or tried to create with body art. I think I've done a good job based on the testimonials. And now it's got 56 women from all over the world that are in this six month container and it'll open again in the summertime. And it's beautiful. So that's where I am now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Your story that led you to that. You know, sometimes I think it's the like you were saying this too, like there's purpose through, if you can move through that pain, there can be purpose on in it. And then on the other side too. And, um, it's interesting because Erica and I reference this sometimes, but we met through our Buddhist practice. It's how she and I met. And there's this concept, which you're basically talking about, which is this idea of, um, where you say like, you have to like move through it to make art, and there's this idea of value creation, like whether or not you are kind of like actively choosing to create value through your actions. And in, and sometimes the deepest suffering gives the most opportunity for that, um, which is a difficult thing to do and get through, but changing that sort of, you're saying like taking the time in it, but then not staying there, um, 
in your story, it gives us sort of like you, you took the opportunity to really do something and then give it to others too. And I, I like, I just sort of like see that, that sort of value creation in that aspect of what you're doing now with body art. Um, and you know, we, we've talked to different folks a, a little bit about like this idea of somatic, um, work and, embodiment in the way that you're talking about it too. I'm kind of curious, you, you know, you're sharing with your own experience, the, some of the disconnect, even as a person who had been in work where you used your body, you understood the connection to it. You understood maybe the emotion that it holds as a, as a yogi, as a, you know, a mover, um, and still had the experience where you went through such enormous, sort of like this emotional trauma and sustained too. It's interesting. This is a side note, but when you were sharing your story, it really reminded me of something my mom went through in the exact same timeline. Her husband had a terrible injury July of 2020 and spent nine months in the hospital paralyzed. And she took on that role. So it was interesting hearing you share that because it gave me a little, even like deeper perspective into her experience, which mirrored a lot of what you were sharing too, as a caregiver. Um, and he sadly since passed, but her coming on the other side of that too, like coming back to a sense of self can take a lot of work and a long time. And so I think sharing that I'm sure a lot of caregivers can, um, probably relate to that story, but getting back to it, this idea of someone who had already been deeply connected to the body, but then had the experience of this disconnect through, through your, um, trauma and emotional and the grief and, and learning to take on this new purpose and this new role. When you started to work back into yourself or this idea that you explained of coming back to yourself or coming back to this feeling of embodiment, um, I'm sure you had a point of reference because you were a, a yoga teacher, you did have this work sort of as a framework for you prior to this experience. How would you, I guess I'm curious, like if people have never really been, I think a lot of women go through trauma where they they've never been comfortable being in their body, or it might be a something that's scary or uncomfortable, or how do you start working, um, like people, into a space of trust where they can go there for themselves? <clears throat> That's a great question. The first thing I feel really called to say is trauma, to your point, trauma doesn't care what your credentials are. You can know all the things. You can have years of experience and trauma is trauma, whether it's Alex Howard calls it, he's a trauma researcher and has different programs. He calls it big T trauma and low T trauma. You know, whatever kind of, whether it's either of those traumas or chronic high level stress, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's going to affect you because you're a human. Here we go. You're a human with a nervous system. 
And it's just, it's going to impact you. So I just felt, re felt really called to say that, that it, you know, it's not like it just will skip over you and you'll be, you'll be all right. Un unfortunately, no, it doesn't work that way. But also fortunately that it doesn't work that way. I almost want to say, because it's such a, mm, there's just so much beauty that is in that process. And I know that's hard to understand if you're suffering to, to say like, how dare, like beauty, but I really have feel that there's a lesson in sourcing beauty in the pain. I do. So with that, how to safely get back in or how I might do it. Um, a, one way that's really simple on a very like tangible sort of like a I'm going to say like almost like a tip level, if you will, if the body feels unsafe, especially if you've dealt with a trauma that has to do with body trauma, sexual trauma for women, especially the body can feel like a very unsafe territory because when you go in, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to avoid that because I know it's going to bring things up and I don't want to do that because I'm not, I don't feel ready to face it. So I'm just going to distract myself to other things, right? We know that. So something that you can do to start, number one, if, if coming into the body with like freestyle dance and breath work feels really intimidating because you're thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move my body. Like, well, can we just back up one step? You can start by actually starting to, like if you sit down in a, a traditional like meditation seat or even like in a chair, you could be at a park. Okay, let's envision we're at a park somewhere. It's a beautiful day. You're sitting on a bench, you close your eyes, you know, like you physically feel like you're in a safe enough space that you can close your eyes, important to point out. And you start to bring in the external senses of the sun. Okay, I can feel sunshine on my skin. Okay, I can feel a breeze moving my hair. I can hear a bird. Okay, which direction is it coming from? Like I can sense there's a bird coming, there's bird sounds coming over here. So you start to bring some felt sensation. I'm not just gonna use the word awareness because that takes us very much in a mindfulness-based practice, but can you sense? which is an embodied practice. Can you sense the world that is around you that is interacting with you as a body? Does that make sense so far? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So in that way, it doesn't zoom, take you right into here, which can feel really startling if you're not used to this landscape of the body. So you can start in that way. And then slowly start to then bring it in. Maybe then you can start to focus on the sensations inside of your body, whether it be your heartbeat, whether it be doing breathwork practices, whether that's you start to really sense yourself like through the body, like your seat down through the floor, bringing it into dance based practices where you just put on a song and you just close your eyes if that feels safe and you see what kind of movement wants to come up? Doing your best to release the judgment that's going to perhaps come up about I'm supposed to look a certain way, I'm not a dancer, 
I feel silly. I feel stupid. And just see what, how does the body want to move? It could be the tiniest little baby movements. It could be, you might want to start with just, I'm going to connect one movement and one breath. Like, okay, I'm going to inhale my heart forward, just like you might do in a yoga class. And I'm going to exhale and I'm going to round and bring it back. And I'm going to do that for maybe an entire song words. And I'm just going to breathe and I'm going to move, I'm not doing it in a yogic way where I have to make it sound like a yogic breath. I'm just going to let whatever expression comes out, comes out. I'm going to feel into the center of my being as I'm rocking. What does it feel like to rock back and forth, right? So you could pick one movement, one breath to connect it and do that as an isolated movement breathwork practice for say a minute all the way up to three. That's another really simple one to do. And again, it's like take those baby steps to work your way up to full-blown freestyle intuitive dancing where you're going wild in your living room and feeling yourself and whipping your hair around and, you know, crying and having these full body, like orgasmic sort of, not just in that sense, not just like that. Like, I mean, like full expression moments where you might cry, you might laugh, you might throw things that comes as you get more acquainted with yourself as a body. Does that help answer your question? Absolutely. I think actually that it's really great because you gave some tangible steps or tips, like you said, that people can, you know, maybe start to explore what it means to yeah. go into yourself or into your body. And, and I imagine the more you do it, the more you are able to get out of your head and into your body. Right. So it is a practice because right. We know that like the body keeps the score, right. That's a popular book about, you know, the trauma that we hold in our body. Um, and it's really true, you know, like our bodies, um, our bodies definitely keep the score. And so this process of being able to move the big T trauma and little T trauma out so that we can live in the present moment in our bodies. I think that's why it's so hard to live in the present moment sometimes because right. Um, there are all these different parts of ourselves that are stored in the body and stored in our psyche that aren't living right in 2022 in this you know, I'm 33 in this 33 year old body. So it's just so interesting to me. And I think we were talking a little bit about this too, right before recording about like living in joy, right. And not just living in suffering. And I think that can be really challenging, right? Because for, for most of us, um, we've experienced a lot of things in life. Right. And it's like our, it's a protective part, right? Like our brain is trying to protect us by almost staying stuck in suffering. Right. Like if I'm, if I'm here, if I'm focused on pain, even if it's unconscious, right. But if I'm focused on catastrophizing or the worst or whatever, somehow I'm safe, right? Like it's an unconscious thing. Even I, I do it right. Um, it's something I have to really work on, but it's interesting because lately. I'm really trying to choose joy instead. Like it's a practice I'm working on to be like, even if things there is suffering or there is this stuff I still need to work through, how can I consistently choose to focus on joy? And 
it's just really interesting. And my life is shifting as I'm doing that. Like, it's incredible. It's amazing how much is shifting, but, um, yeah, I'm curious how you've been able to focus more on the pleasure and the joy of life. And, and, and with that too, like, like where is your current situation too, with what happened with your husband? Because I think sometimes, right. Um, I think it's very common to think, well, I can only experience the joy when I'm healed or when X is healed or when the situation isn't there. So that's why I kind of asked that too, just to see like where on your journey, were you able to start focusing on joy again? And how do you help others focus on the pleasure or the joy as opposed to the pain or the suffering? Mm. Mm. Oh man, there's so much in there. Pleasure and pain are, they're two sides of the same coin. We're going to experience, we know we're going to experience pain and suffering as a human. It's a part of the contract. You signed up for it whenever you were a soul and you agreed to be here in this body. (laughs) Can't get out of it. But there's another side to that, that we seem to forget on that coin, which is pleasure. And I do want to define that I don't just mean pleasure as in sexual pleasure. I mean, let's, let's expand. I think we've kind of pigeonholed that word. Yes, of course. I'm here. Obviously I'm here for sensual, sexual liberation, pleasure, but pleasure also is walking by a bush of rose, a rose bush and actually smelling to stop and smell that rose. That's pleasure, right? So I just wanted to expand that definition and clarify what I mean by that pain and pleasure. So to your point of it's easier to, it's easier to just focus on, you know, the suffering and the pain and what's wrong and the, you know, the shit sandwich that you're currently in or have been in. Yes. And our brains are literally wired that we have a negativity bias. I mean, I'm not making that up. We that's real. And that negativity bias makes it easier to look at that part. And so we have to train ourselves to start to look at the other side of the coin. But unfortunately our society doesn't actually help us understand that or teach us that that's a part of the equation or how they're interrelated. Cause I do see them as interrelated because can you truly know the full spectrum of pleasure without the full spectrum of pain? Can you truly know pain without having known pleasure? I'm not sure that you can on the highest degree. I, I would say no. So, and the reason that we, that it's again, easier to, to, to look to the pain coin is because when you're in it or you've been in it, pleasures are going to register as wasted, potentially life-saving resources. That's important to note. And what I mean by that is if you're stuck, because that's what happens, we get stuck in fight or flight. We get stuck in trauma responses. We get stuck in chronic stress. And we normalize that as our nervous system state when it's not normal. You didn't come into this world as a baby with that nervous system. No, you did not. 
<laughs> go look at a toddler who's really happy. They don't have that nervous system. We know that it's easy. You can, it's easy to see. So that, you know, state of fight or flight, again, I didn't make up this term, but the feed and breed is the other side of that. Rest and digest is the other side of that. Rest, digest, feed and breed is the opposite of fight or flight, which is trauma-based, which is all sympathetic nervous system versus parasympathetic nervous system. So it's almost like, it makes sense if you think about it logically, if I'm stuck in that sympathetic nervous system of really stressed out, deep trauma, I got stuck there for whatever reason, even if it's not happening right now, even if it happened in the past, it's stuck in here in this body, as you said, so beautifully, the way you described that exactly how it is, it's from the past, but it's still living in the present. That's because we if we're stuck there, how are we possibly like in our nervous system state, our nervous system is telling us you're not safe. It's not safe for you to feel good. You're on the lookout. You're on the prowl. You're trying to see like, what's going to come at me? What, it, what darts are going to be thrown at me? Right. Am I going to be able to eat? Like you're, you're literally on a nervous system level going through that. Even if you don't realize it, that's what's happening internally. So pleasures are going to register as just wasted, potentially life-saving vital resources. So you won't do them. And I'm going to pause. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. We often talk about the, um, nervous system responses, the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic, even in the way that it actually, um, works in the body with digestion, which you mentioned too, because we both our integrative nutrition health coaches as well. And so when we are in this constant fight or flight, it actually has fundamental like um, effects on the way we even can absorb our nutrients. So we often talk about that, but I'm glad you're also going into it from a, from an emotional point of view too. And this idea of bringing that response into the present, even if it's no longer happening, Right. It means it's sort of recreating it in the present for yourself. Yep. Um, so yes, it does. Perfect. Thank you. Great. I think that it ultimately that's a part of the training is that to bring it back to your question, if, if you can start to train yourself to become aware and feel pleasure again, even if it's the simplest of things like smelling that rose when you walk by it having enough like awareness that you're even walking by the rose bush and then stopping and smelling it. That's a rewiring. That's a rewiring that's happening of your nervous system. That's telling your nervous system. That's telling your body mind. I am safe. I am safe. Now I am okay. Take a breath, smell the rose. And then it goes from there and it builds up to the point of, you know, of course, sexual pleasure, orgasm, all of that, that a lot of women, as I also experienced, you, you lose your libido. You lose so much when you are under that type of, in that state. And it's not because anything is wrong with you or that you're broken. You're not broken. You're just traumatized or you're really stressed out you are not broken it's just a matter of being able to come back into a sense of safety and you can start by just 
slowly retraining yourself to enjoy what pleasures are around you mm. and bringing them through your body processor. Yeah. All of your senses and your movement. This episode is brought to you by base. Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested with base at home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with, or you need some guidance, base's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try base and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and base gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with base complete, which are eight tests up front for $450. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CWPODCAST. To get started, take the base quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get-base.com slash CWPODCAST to receive 20% off with code CWPODCAST at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. This episode is sponsored by Sprout Living. We are very excited to share all about our favorite new plant-based protein powders by Sprout Living. Sprout Living is delicious, and we really appreciate the nourishing quality ingredients. Sprout Living protein powders are all USDA organic, vegan, grain-free, soy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, kosher, and non-GMO with a pumpkin seed, yellow pea, and sunflower seed protein blend that offers up to 26 grams of plant-based protein and superfoods, herbs, and spices. They offer sample packs so you can try all their delicious flavors, including original chocolate maca, vanilla lucuma, and green kingdom. What makes Sprout Living different from most plant-based powders is that they avoid the unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. That means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavoring, which isn't really natural at all. Instead, they only use real whole superfoods and adaptogens, which is cool because it makes the blends multifunctional. I love to use the chocolate maca blend with cashew butter, chia seeds, flax milk, frozen blueberries, and spinach to make a decadent smoothie that tastes just like a chocolate shake. If you want to try Sprout Living, you can save 20% off your order by using code CWPODCAST. Visit www.sproutliving.com and use code CWPODCAST, one word, to save 20% off. They also offer free shipping and a 100% money-back guarantee. Give them a try and let us know if you love it as much as we do. You can also find direct links in the show notes. And I know it's different for everyone, right? And healing is definitely not linear. And um, the way you were able 
the timeline of how you were able to heal or experience pleasure again might not be the same timeline for another person. However, I do think when you're in the mud, it's very inspiring to hear how other people were able to heal and sometimes what their timeline looked like, even with the caveat of knowing it's different for every single person. So at what point in your husband's healing journey, and as you were this caregiver, when did that start to change for you? Like when, and, and how is he now too? He is so good. (laughs) Um, he is healed. Yeah. That's amazing. But then too, like, did this, did this transformation start like, you know, like, was it when he was healed or like, was it through, like you said, you were this caregiver, you like, yeah, if you could just talk us through that process for anyone who might be listening, who is in it right now in so many different ways, right? Like Ali shared about her mother and you went like so similar. And, um, but even in a different way, you know, I have a family member, a very close family member right now, who's, um, been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and is really in the mud of that. And, um, I'm not the caregiver, but it's taken a lot of myself out of myself to support this, this family member. So yeah, it could be anything, right. It could be, it could just be the last two years of chronic stress that we're still in. I read, I saw an article that was, um, right. It wasn't even an article. I saw it on TikTok. That's the new thing, right? Like I read an article and now it's like, no, I saw a TikTok, but it, it was showing this article about how people are now having trauma responses just from the last two years we've all lived in. And it's like, duh, like we've lived in, we're still in chronic stress. So, um, yeah, it could be right from the extreme of like a brain injury or a chronic illness in your family to just the last two years. So yeah, anyway, I'm so interested in how you were able, like at what point in the process were you able to start feeling all the pleasures again? Mm, That's a a truly a great question. And I, I understand why you're asking it because I know when you're in it, you're like, please tell me when will I feel better? (laughs) Um, and also trauma is going to, even if you're not the primary caregiver, by the way, it's trauma does this thing where it's the incident that happens, the isolated, and then just, and it goes out. And it affects so many people that are in your sphere. So it, it's not just the primary caregiver. It's the people supporting those caregivers. Like it, it truly extends out. I felt called to say that. And yes, we are all dealing with two, like years of just these past two years, so much, so much fight or flight that we've been activated in so, so much. I would say for my personal journey, I was in, you know, nose down, full on caregiver, especially those first 64 days. I will say even, and this might sound shocking to some people, I'm sure it probably does. If you go back far enough on my Instagram, there are videos of me dancing during those first 64 days, there are videos of me, you know, I remember come and get your love was the song that we walked out to as husband and wife, come and get your love, red bone. Oh man. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to cry. And we walked out to that. And I remember in the thick of it, him being still in a coma 
Um, like this was maybe, I don't even know, like a week, two weeks after his accident, he's still in a coma. And I posted a video of me and I was like, I'm dancing for you, babe. Like, come on, like you got to wake up, like come and get your love. And that was the whole gist of the video was just come and get your love, babe. I'm going to dance for you. And I had his old t-shirt on and I just was feeling joy in my body, even though I had just come home from the hospital after an entire day of being there from 10 until, you know, 3.30 when his mom would come and take over the evening shift because we worked in shifts. And even though he wasn't awake, I was not, we were not going to leave him there alone. And so I know that sounds shocking to say that I was able to still do that. And I'm smiling in those videos, like there's real joy. Um, but that happened. And I will say that as time went by and it sunk in the reality of my situation and that on my life, you know, he was not going to, it's not Grey's Anatomy. He is not going to wake up and be all better. And it's just like, oh, where was I? Like, no, that's, this was a traumatic brain injury. This was not this was not level, you know, a, a concussion where you wake up fairly quickly. Um, not to say that concussion isn't serious as well, but this was, he woke up and had to learn to walk again, talk again, eat again, drink again, everything again. He lost 50 pounds. Like it was, he was a triathlete. So this was devastating. Um, so after it sunk in and that was my reality, I will say that by late November, December, and the accident was in July, that's when I really started to actually get the settling in of feeling depressed and really having no libido. And also the fact that I couldn't even see myself as a sexual being. I couldn't see my husband as a sexual being anymore. Um, that's when it really sunk in for me. I went into a little bit of like a lull with just life feeling like there was no life force inside of me. I remember posting again, I so much journey on Instagram, honest to goodness, um, of me just crying in a bathtub to Leanne Rhymes, her chant album. And then I was so excited because she commented on the video, <laughs> um, which I didn't expect. And it was just me crying in a bathtub, just feeling so like hopeless. And then by February, January, I got the idea for body art. January, I started to realize I needed to kind of like what we said, you can't live in sad town. You can't live in angry town. There's no permanent residence allowed. You can't stay there forever. It's visitors only. And I realized that by January, I was like, all right, Alyssa, we got to get back into like the sensual dance. And I felt very intuitively called to get back into that. I started doing it really, I had done it in sprinkles before then, but I really got heavily back into it. And then by February, I launched like body art. I was like, here's this free class. Like, let's just try this out. It's been working for me. Let's give it a go. And also, by the way, I was writing a poetry book the entire time, um, which I'm still working on. And that was so cathartic for me to release through poetry and, and feel what the heck I was experiencing through poetic words instead of everyday language. Um, so it's certainly like there's, there's time stamps to all of that, but me getting my full libido back 
And also I know people are wondering, so I'm just, I'll just say it. Cause I shared it on Instagram, my husband and I, in our intimacy that didn't fully come back online in a way that felt like us pre-accident until May. So from July until I'd say May, that's when I finally felt like us again as like a husband and wife again. And I felt really more of that intimate connection. I know people are wondering that. So I'm just, I'll just tell you, I told you, I told Instagram. So I'll tell all of you. And that journey was huge and required a lot of patience and awkwardness. And yeah, does that help? Does that timeline help? Yeah. It, it, it also shows, you know, like Erica did mention, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's trauma is different. Everybody's, you know, whatever experience is going to be different and different timelines, but to hear that through time, it's not that like, Oh, time heals everything, but that like nothing, nothing is also permanent, whether you have to go through even more grief or, or you can start you know, experiencing the joy or then grief and then joy after that, um, that nothing like staying there, which you said, uh, I love that. Like you can only be a visitor and maybe the visit's going to be a long visit, but it it still has to be a visit. And, and to have that kind of go back. Yeah, you can go back. back. (laughs) That's true. That's true. You can take a day trip. You can take, you know, whatever, a long weekend. (laughs) But it's so interesting too, because even when you were sharing, right, like you were crying in the bathtub to Leanne Rhymes, right? Like in in Buddhism, there's this concept of 10 worlds, which I think that like so beautifully illustrates, right? So like maybe you were in the world of hell or grief or sadness, but then Leanne Rhymes comments and suddenly you feel joy, but you're right. It's like, so there's still joy in, Even in that world. Yeah. That's kind of what the concept of in right. Buddhism, this 10 worlds is. And I just think that's so right because we're just visiting. Right. So even in, it, it, it's just, it's so, it's so fluid and it's so not black and white. And it's, it's just, I think you did a beautiful job at describing that, even though again, yes, like it's not going to be the same for everybody. I think people can maybe right, like you're in this moment of grief, but there's also joy in it in the same moment. Yeah, absolutely. Joy, joy doesn't go away. It's not like it's gone forever. You you know, it, I remember my husband said on Thanksgiving that year, he said, you can hold grief and gratitude at the same time. And I was like, wow, you're just becoming such a poet as I'm writing my book. And it's true. Like you mm-hmm. can hold both. You can hold grief and gratitude. You can hold happy and incredibly sad. It, that's called being, again, it's called being a human. Amen. Yeah. And there's this whole spectrum of emotions. And if we just allow ourselves to be exactly with who we are, the way I define embodiment is embodiment is honestly, there's a lot of definitions. We could go down a tangent. But one definition to me is, is about honoring and expressing who and how you are in any given moment in a body as a body. So who are you in this moment? Honor who that is, how you feel. What is the expression? What is the emotion that's with it? What version of you are you right now? Go be with it. 
express it. And that's, that's embodied living. That's how you can move through all of the, you can move through 10 emotions in a day, which women often do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I started, um, I have the book, but I haven't read the entirety of the book, but I also started watching, um, Brene Brown has an HBO special based on her book called Atlas of the Heart, which she, she like literally breaks down like 70 something emotions, but talking about how it's so interesting that you're talking about this today. Cause I was watching some of it last night, that language, sometimes we don't have the language to really describe because we, as human beings, we are emotional first. We're emotional beings that think rather than being thinking beings that feel. And we're, so I guess as we're feeling beings that think rather than the other side or the flip of that, but that sometimes we don't have the language to truly even be honest with ourselves as to what we're feeling in the moment. And to, as we develop more language around it, which you were talking about as an artist, artists are the ones that do that. And they are, they, they create language, um, and use language in a way to really describe the human experience. And so you sharing about this and you sharing about your poetry as well. Um, it's just, it resonates in all that we're talking about as far as like humaning, <laughs> being humans. And it's funny when you're, when you're sharing about this and poetry as a part of your expression through this journey that you've shared with us and through body art, um, as well. And I have another, I'm going to put a pin in cause I have another question about this, but I just wanted to share with you. We had Melissa Bernstein on our show who is, do you know the toy company, Melissa and Doug? It's like a multi-billion dollar, but they're like analog style toys. They're like, um, you know, wood, wood based t- toys. And she actually came on our show, um, because she wrote a book of poetry based on her experience living her life with this sense of existential depression that she's dealt with since she was even a small child. She has deep memories of this, but she has used poetry um, and created this, wrote this book called Lifelines, which some of her poetry is so beautiful. And I think you as a poet too might enjoy it um, because she uses poetry as a way to create, create art through this very sort of unique emotional life she's had her entire life. And I just think it's really interesting because between you and then Melissa and Brene Brown talking about this as art being um, a way that we can uh, explore and put language to the experience of being human. It's exactly. Yeah. That's what that's a trip for me. That's what body art and embodiment and everything I do and work with women. That's what it's about. Like, mm-hmm. because so, I mean, you do get better at realizing how you feel as you become more aware of that inner attunement, but sometimes you don't know fully how you feel, but the thing is, is you don't know how you don't have to know exactly what it is to go and do something with it, to go make art out of it, to go move your body, to go dance to a song, to go, you know, write a poem, to journal, to whatever you might think of. You don't, that's the good news is that you don't have to know for you just, maybe you hear a song 
and you're like, wow, whoo, okay, that hit something. I don't even know where that came from. And you just feel it in your whole body and you go and move to it. And then as you move, it just goes through this catharsis process. And then all of a sudden you feel better and you're like, wow, I didn't even know I needed that, but it really, now I'm, I feel clearer now. I feel less foggy now. I feel my spirit is lighter. And I think that to your point, that's what artists do, but we're all able to be this like artist of our own lives and make art out of our pain and out of any expression that we're feeling joy, love, whatever, right? This is what great artists do. And we get to do the same thing, like take a cue from the artists and realize you can do it in your own life. And it's, I love that. Thank you for telling me about that, Melissa and Doug, though. That's such a fun, uh, little fun fact. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. The book's called Lifelines. Um, so I have one quick question that kind of goes along with what you were just sharing about before we go into our wrap up questions. I can't believe the, you know, like the last hour has gone by so quickly. Um, but now that you have this community, you were sharing about the women from all over the world that are in this body art, um, program with you. Um, what, what have you learned from working with this kind of community of women over this time? I have learned that I've learned women are deeply, deeply desiring connection to their bodies connection to themselves as sensual beings, that they feel a disconnect and oftentimes a shame that looks like I don't wanna take up space. And that because of that, this type of practice of embodiment and coming home to especially the first three chakras that were earth-based ones, moving it up then into the heart. It is a missing piece. It's a huge missing piece that is not talked about enough from that angle because there's so much emphasis on other modalities of healing, which aren't that there's a wrong, but you can complement your talk therapy with somatic embodiment practices. I was in therapy the entire time. I was in, I was at the hospital taking therapy calls. Don't get me wrong, but I also was going home and doing breath work and moving and dancing. Um, meditation is beautiful. It can be, you can complement that with an embodied practice. So I just truly feel that I've learned it's such a missing piece that should not be overlooked because when you bring that all together, you marry all of that. And again, I'm just bringing it full circle. You come back to the middle and you, that that's where for me, full spectrum healing I've seen in the women I've worked with, that's where I've seen that's the secret sauce bring that missing link in. And it's just like all of a sudden the jigsaw puzzle just makes sense. And they feel so much more um, 
alive with a capital A and there's so much deeper healing from the inside out versus just on a mind level. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you for everything you've shared with us today. I feel like we're absolutely going to have to have you back for a part two, because I know there's so much more that we can unpack, but this has been just a really beautiful conversation. And I'm sure our audience has enjoyed it just as much as we have. Um, so thank you again for sharing your journey and your work with us. But as we do begin to wrap up, we always conclude with three questions. And the first, I'm really interested to hear your answer, but, um, and I'm sure some of it is this somatic movement we've been talking about, but what is your self-care practice? What does your daily self-care practice look like? And what are those non-negotiables, um, in your self-care practice? Yes. So I can speak to right now because I definitely shift my practices. Uh, I'm not someone that will just be like, no, I have to always, you know, no, I can't do that. I'm not like that type of a discipline sort of <laughs> mentality, but for right now, what I've been doing that feels really good in my system is I wake up at least, I'm fortunate. I don't have to wake up with an alarm clock. So I wake up without an alarm clock and just wake up naturally and I start my day with a big glass of water before I have my coffee. And then I will do a Kundalini meditation. Um, so I will do that. And then throughout my day, it looks like a little bit of work. And then I'm going to take a space break, as I call it go to the pool. I live in this beautiful Charleston sunny place. So a lot of, a lot of, I take a lot of breaks. I sandwich a lot of my doing with a lot of being. I'm a big believer that you got to do like the tango with the masculine, the feminine all day in and out. I'm not going to sit down and just work for hours, hours and hours without taking a break. So my self-care definitely looks like a lot of outside time, a lot of sunshine time. I take a walk once a day, a daily stroll at the end of my day around 4.30. I take a stroll around my neighborhood. Um, I, I do go to the gym. People always ask me like, well, do you go to the gym still? Like what else do you do? I still, I love to go and feel that, that masculine strength at the gym. So I go to the gym at least two to three times a week. And then of course, you know, I'm with all of my clients and things doing, um, our movement practices with intuitive dance, my morning juice class on Wednesdays. I taught, you know, when we're recording this today, I taught this morning that has yoga infusion, breath work. That's most present for what I'm doing now, I would say. Thank you. And the second question is, um, what does being courageous mean to you? Oh, mm. Being courageous means listening into that inner knowing and actually acting on it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The last question we always ask is, do you have a book that has been particularly meaningful to you on your journey? And it can be on anything, just something that's meant something to you. Oh my gosh. I'm like about to like crawl over to my bookshelf. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> okay. The first one that came to me was 
Pussy, a reclamation by Mama Gina. That one came to me. Um, Oh, there's another one. Okay, I literally have to get up and I have to look real quick. I can't, I can't not, I feel like I have to say it correctly. I don't wanna mess the title up of this. Okay, there's two. Actually, I'm gonna give a couple. Okay, Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. Oh, cool. Love that one. Um, the Power of Vital Life Force by Rashri Patel. If you want to understand life force more and the concept of that, she also talks a lot about different transcendental meditation. And then actually, surprisingly, a fiction book really got me by Paolo Colo. Um, I know that's weird to say fiction that can change your life, but The Witch of Portobello is another one that the underlying story of it really has got me. So those are a couple I have that are always yeah. right on my floor in my bedroom. So I felt I'll share those ones because they're I no. keep out just in case. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Fiction can definitely Harry Potter changed my life. I love so like anything that's, you know, but thank you. Thank you again for everything you shared with us today. For anyone who wants to find you, follow you, work with you, where can they do all of that? Yes. All of the things, um, whether it's working with me one-on-one, -on -one, I have containers that open up for Voxer clients um, periodically throughout the year as the uh, spots open, um, retreats, those are about once a quarter. There's one coming up next February in Aruba. I have four spots left. Um, body art membership, morning juice subscription. All of that is at www.lissacousins.com. You'll also find some free stuff there as well if you want to just get to know me a little bit, what I do. And then on Instagram, that's the only social I'm really on. I'm not on all the things. I'm not on TikTok and Facebook. Like I really, it's Instagram, just Instagram. And that's just my name at Alyssa Cousins. Thank you so much again for joining us today and sharing all your knowledge and your story. We really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.